Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. So tonight I want to minister to you. I've sought God in fasting and prayer over this condition and over this situation. I know in many cases I bear the responsibility for some of the, the discouragement that's here. Perhaps I'm not ministering to it as best that I possibly can and I'm seeking the Lord to do a better job. So I want to talk to you tonight about defeating discouragement. Defeating discouragement. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 starting at verse 8 says this. It says, we are troubled on every side. Paul understood and he knew the plight, if you will, of what it was to be a Christian in a, in a secular society ruled by the Roman government persecuted, chased. He was a persecutor. He was one that chased down the Christians. He knew what it meant to be a Christian living in a secular world surrounded by danger at all times. He said, we are troubled on every side. That means no matter what direction they went or where they would go or what city that they would go into, there was trouble. There was, there was, there was always something pressing them. But he says, we're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair. How many of you look at the things that are happening around you in the world, in your family, in your church, and, and just say, this is so perplexing. I don't understand it. I don't, why would this happen? Why would this have to be? Well, what we do typically in those situations is, is in our human nature, we tend to want to find a reason. We want to find something to blame, something to poke at, something to direct it. That's in our nature. It's natural. It's in the flesh. We just do that. We have to find the source. But what happens when we dive into something like that and we begin to look for the blame and we look for the source is we just cause ourselves more consternation, cause ourselves just a little bit more grief. And Paul says we are perplexed, but we're not in despair. Folks, we can't get to the place in discouragement where we begin to feel hopeless. We serve the living God. Every one of us is broken. Every one of us makes mistakes. There's not one in here that could cast a stone at the other. Amen? Including your pastor. Jesus said to the people who wanted to stone the woman caught in adultery, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And every single one of them dropped their stone and walked away. He still tells us that tonight. He still tells us that in his word. But we're not in despair. We can't get to a place of hopelessness where we just want to point and we want to find out we've got to blame something. We've got to, you want to blame something? Blame the enemy beneath us. Blame the one who's the prince and power of the air. Blame the one who wants to tear people apart, who wants to create division, who wants you to be hopeless, hiding away in your home, hiding away from the rest of the world, enraptured in your, in your discouragement. Blame that guy but Paul said we are not in despair we're persecuted but we're not forsaken folks we haven't even begun to feel and understand what it's going to be like when real persecution hits the church and I'm sorry to say but throughout Christendom in this country when real persecution begins to hit a whole lot of people are going to take flight the first little bit of heat, the first little bit of pain that comes along, gone. They'll forsake Jesus in a heartbeat because of fear of what they may lose or even their lives. 
Paul said that we're persecuted, but we are not forsaken. Jesus has not left our side. Regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our errors, our mistakes, our, our, our stumbling, he has not forsaken you. We're cast down sometimes, but we are not destroyed. In Jesus' name, we are not destroyed. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for indulging me. Despite the numerous challenges that we face every day that press us on every side, we are not crushed, we are not destroyed because we, according to the word of God, are more than conquerors. Paul said it in Romans chapter eight and 37. He said, nay, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. That means not only do we conquer, but we take land. You understand, we advance. We don't just beat the enemy, we take his territory. And we're in a place right now, if we get our focus on the right things and keep our focus on the right things, oh, the devil Oh, the devil wants you to look at the mistakes. He wants you to look at the failings. He wants you to look at the other challenges. He wants you to look at CNN and, and Fox News and, and, and all these terrible stories. He wants you to look at all that stuff because there's these communities that we've ad- identified out there where there's people laying in the streets bleeding, not literally, but they're hurting and their souls, their spirits are lost. They're they're at their last breath in some cases. They're at their last bit of rope they've got left in life. There's people out there right now that are saying to themselves, I hate this. I need something different. Somebody's got to come. But what are we distracted with? The devil wants to get in here and get you looking at each other and looking at me and looking at that person and that person and and getting critical and getting worried about our discouragements. He wants you, don't think about Economwalk and Delafield and Dousman and Summit. Don't worry about those people. That's not your business. That's not your work. He wants to discourage you and he wants to push you to a place of hopelessness. And I'm here tonight to declare that as long as I've got breath in my lungs and I'm standing in this job, I haven't gotten my pink slip yet, I'm going to come against the devil who's trying to discourage my church and stop the mission at hand. I hate losses. I hate when people pass away. My friends suffering with COVID-19, suffering with cancer but I've got to press on we've got to stay focused on the mission or more will die but they'll die without Jesus in their lives look back up a little bit in Romans 8 there in verse 35 he says who shall separate us from the love of Christ what a great question shall tribulation is that going to make us run is that going to make me quit No, devil, it's not. Put me through what you want me to put through, but I'm not going to quit. Or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So what? Because we have a pasture waiting for us. That's greater than anything we've ever experienced here. It's greater than our familial relationships. It's greater than our possessions. It's greater than our money. 
It's greater than our friendships. We're just counted as sheep for the slaughter. Well, that sounds pretty, that sounds pretty crass and cold. It's not when you consider the reward. See, as you go through these things, and the church is going through a great growing pain situation, not just this church, every church. Like I said, I talk to pastors all the time. We, we counsel and we talk and we share and we engage and we find out what's working, what's, what's encouraging, what's helping people, what are people dealing with, and we share. And again and again and again, we hear the same stories. But these things that are pressing you and that press us as a body and as people and people of God, we're the people of Jesus Christ. We should be bound together in love and humility, prepared to do whatever he asks us to do. But we get pressed through these situations and we're challenged. And I know it's a dumb adage and I know it's an old coin phrase, but what does not kill you makes you stronger. It's in the word of God. It said in that list, famine is one of those things. Do you know that there are piles and piles of tanker ships sitting out on the west coast of California that can't dock, full of supplies and equipment and tools and goods to be delivered to the United States, and they can't dock and unload because there's nobody to do the job. They're so backloaded. There's things that aren't going to show up into our markets for a couple of years, perhaps, But do you know that there are worker shortages in our food processing? I'm not trying to scare anybody, and I'm certainly not trying to discourage you. I'm trying to encourage you that there may be some element of famine. There's where there's a food shortage where restaurants are talking about it's hard for them to get things. We we tried to order some food not too long ago, and I asked, I just wanted some wings one night. And it's no, we don't have any. Sorry, we can't get them. Chicken wings. There must be seven billion chickens in this country. We can't get one wing. We haven't begun to understand and see what persecution could look like for the church. And buddy, it's coming. They arrested a pastor in Canada this week. Anybody see that clip? Got off the airplane. He was here. He had opened his church in Canada, defying their rules of COVID shutdown. They met him at the airport and arrested him right outside the airplane. We don't even know yet. But what we endure now, what we go through now, and we come out with a positive heart and a good mind, and we take hold of those discouragements and those things that challenge us, pray for those situations, embrace those situations, make them right, do what you can to endure through them. But what you endure through right now makes you stronger for what is yet to come. Because as I said, these persecutions will come. These things will come. Jesus said that we'll be hated for his namesake. Hated because we're people of the name Jesus. We haven't even begun to feel that hatred yet. Oh, it's in the ether. It's out there. It's, in the, it's floating through the media in different places. If you listen close enough, it'll pop up once in a while. We haven't even begun to feel what it's like for someone to come and knock on our door out here, vandalize the church with graffiti, or throw eggs at us as we're leaving our, 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 our parking lot out here. We haven't begun to see that yet. It's happening in some places, just never makes the media. 
But what we endure now, what we go through now in battling our discouragements will make us stronger for those times because there's a whole lot of Christian people in this nation. It's said in the word, we know it's true. We'll walk away from God when the heat turns up. I've been very discouraged. I've been high and I've been low. This transitional process has been extremely difficult. There's a lot of things that people don't know, they don't understand, they get bits and pieces. And I understand that. And it's discouraging and it's challenging. But I have to press on. Every person that has made their decision to move on, I have loved them and embraced them, never had a cross word, never said one bad thing, prayed for them, prayed with them. And every last one, I said the same thing. If there's anything I can do, please let me know. Please always consider me one of your pastors and abundant life to be your home. And then I have to bear the discouragement and the pain as I watch them move on to their next place. But I have to move on. I've got to press forward because there are communities that are surrounding this body that desperately need the word of God. 1 John chapter four and four says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, meaning the enemies, the challenges, the things that come against us, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We've quote that all the time. But I want to focus on this for just a moment and re- make sure you realize that John was saying he is in you. He is in me. Greater is he that is in me than the one that runs around the world causing trouble and turning things upside down and discouraging people and causing riots and causing fights and causing evil in our government. The one that resides inside each one of us is greater than all of that. Do we acknowledge it? Do we remember that? Do we stand in the face of the devil and say, devil, I'm full of the Holy Ghost. Back off. Or do we get frustrated, take it out on a brother or a sister or a mom or a dad? We got to learn to remember that greater is he that's within me. And we can look at that devil in the face and say, back off. The Bible says in the book of James, if we resist him, he'll flee from us. How often do we resist him? You know that in human flesh, we like to embrace pain. We like to embrace things like discouragement. We, We have a tendency in our flesh to sort of wallow a little bit in our agonies and our pains. You know why? Because it's it's dangerous and it's challenging to step out of that and be bold and courageous. You know, I've said it before many times, it's a known axiom in psychology. We will do more in exercising, or excuse me, in exerting energy to avoid pain, or to avoid gain, than we will to embrace pain. It takes courage to step out of that. It takes taking a risk 
to step forward and say, you know what, I'm gonna leave that behind and I'm gonna take a risk and step out because we're afraid of rejection. We're afraid of, of, of being embarrassed. We're afraid of sticking our neck out for someone else. And so it's easier to sort of crawl into our cave and embrace discouragement and say, well, this is just what life is. Some people have just accepted that just a constant level of pain and discouragement is just what life is. And I'm here to tell you tonight that we need to have victory over that discouragement. We need to have victory over that mindset that what we see today, what we're existing and what we're dealing with in today is not a constant. It is not forever. It is not the prescription for abundant life. There is victory to be had. These seats that we're looking at that are so empty, I say it all the time, midweek matters, midweek matters. Seems like the more I say midweek matters, the fewer people here. Thank God for all of you wonderful people who come faithfully every Wednesday night to hear our speech and to learn and to stand in the Holy of Holies where that one privileged man in Israel was allowed to be one time a year and you're willing to come out and say, I want to be in the Holy of Holies. I know that God is here. I respect God so much that I want to be in his presence if the church is open. But I'm telling you, there's a whole new generation of people that are going to fill these seats. It's coming. And if you're part of it and you believe it and you take that risk and get rid of your discouragement and embrace the risk... We can reach these communities. And I'm going to preach my lungs out about this to the point where people who don't want to hear it anymore probably will leave. But this is our mission. This is what we've been called for. This is what we need to be here for. And we need every one of you teaching Sunday school classes and working in impact ministry and singing on the platform. We've got a harvest party coming up in our Sunday school. One of the greatest events of the year, every year brings a lot of people. Sister Angela put out the sign up for it. I hope people sign up, come and volunteer, run a game, have a little bit of fun, fellowship with people. But we're putting it out to the community and we're opening it up for full invitation for the community around us to come and get to know us. Don't stand frozen in your discouragement and your concern and your waiting to see and not let an opportunity go by to minister to the kingdom. See, I see that. I understand it. I totally get it. When we get into a place of discouragement, we get into a place of distraction, we're not sure what's happening. I I realize that I don't have a lot of confidence with people. I realize that this is all new. I just passed two years at the beginning of September. I'm just barely getting my feet wet and figuring this whole thing out. And I get that there's sort of like this we better wait and see type thing going. But I'm asking you tonight, don't look at the pastor. Don't look at the failed man that stands up behind his pulpit. Look to Jesus Christ and say, Yes, Lord, I want to do something to help people. I want to be useful in the kingdom of God. Don't worry about this other stuff. Don't be frozen in place with your discouragement. Be ready to act and do and let God use the amazing things that are inside you and the abilities that you have. Don't be a spectator in one of the most amazing, incredible things that's happening in the world today, and that's the movement of the church of God. Don't miss it. Because we get discouraged. Because we're, not, we're uncertain about the future of the church. I'll tell you what, this is church belongs to Jesus Christ. And it is strong and it's healthy and it's moving forward. And it's going to be a beacon in this community for a long time to come. Why? Because the pastor's here? No. Why? Because you're here? No. Because Jesus Christ is at the wheel. Consider, I had this thought, 
Speaking of being crushed and impressed, consider the grass and the flowers and the plants. The Bible talks about this. I'm going to share scripture. That suffer through the cycle of their own challenging seasons. You know, we do. We go through these cycles, don't we? How many can say amen to that? We go through cycles. We have great seasons and things are just coasting along. Man, it's just clicking. It's going great. But then we have those cycles that are a little challenging and kind of bumpy and a little distracting. And then we have those seasons that come and they're just hard and hurtful and painful. But God carries us through those seasons. Imagine the grass in the field. Imagine the flowers when the sun and when the rains and the snows come and crushes it all down. But what happens every single spring when that season is over, that stuff springs back up. It's just as beautiful and green and glorious and flowering as it ever is season after season after season. Every season. Unless you live in Arizona, it's always brown. Luke 12 and 28, if then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? You see, sorrow is going to last through the night. But the promise is that joy comes in the morning. And so many people dig and scratch and claw and work their way through the sorrow of the night and they get to the place just before the break of dawn and they quit and they give up and they walk away. They dig so far down into the ground, they're a foot and a half away from the treasures of all treasures and they stop digging. They give up. This happens in the world all the time. It happens in the church all the time. And I'm telling you that sorrow is gonna last through the night but there's a promise that joy is going to come in the morning. We just got to hang in there, brush discouragement aside, and hold on for joy. And I'm gonna keep pressing for it and keep pushing for it and keep encouraging you to do it. God cares about us as much more than we could ever possibly imagine, so much so that David asked it like this, and there's amazement in his voice. Listen to what he says, Psalms 8 Four through nine. He says, What is man that thou art mindful of him? He asks, and the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. We have dominion over all of that. In verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. You bear his name. You bear his spirit. And therefore, you have dominion over everything that passes over the seas and over this earth. Do you understand what that means? Emotional challenges, discouragements, Stumbling blocks thrown into your path, conflicts with people, disappointments with those who let you down. You have dominion over those things. You have power to not allow those things to steal your joy and create discouragement and God forbid push you to a place of hopelessness. Amen? 
He encourages, Isaiah encourages us to rise above the tides even when we're pressed down. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 43, 2 and 3. He says, when thou passest through the waters, and when he's talking about those waters, he's talking about trudging through the challenges of life. You ever, you ever get in a, go out swimming somewhere, you get in the water and you're about knee deep or so, and you're trying to walk over to where you're, and you're slogging through that because of the resistance. When you're passing through those waters, you can barely traverse, you can't get through it. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, that's even worse. You're trying to walk across a river and the current is blasting away at you. Things are pressing you. He said, I will be with you and through the rivers. They shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. This is, ver- this is Isaiah now. This is Old Testament. He said, I am thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom and Ethiopia and Seba for thee. You know what he's he's talking about when he says, I gave Egypt for thee? This is where I captured, I conquered Egypt. You know what Egypt represents, right? Represents sin and the flesh. In other words, I've given you the power. I've given you Egypt. I've given you when that you sin and you make your mistakes and you fall and you struggle or other people do too. I've given you the power. I've given you forgiveness. I've given you a gift that's so powerful. Egypt was the most powerful civilization on the face of the earth at that time. They ruled everything, and he conquered it and gave it to you. What an awesome gift. What an incredible power that you have that Isaiah is talking about. God has promised to be with us when we pass through the rivers or through the fire. Isn't that interesting? Whether it's water or fire. His presence is designed to provide assurance. That's why I said tonight, when I got up here, and the presence of God was so strong, Folks, treasure that. Realize what it is. If you don't feel it in the back, back there, Dean, I know you do, I'm just kidding. If you don't feel it back there, come up here. It's real powerful, right in this region right here. But realize what it is and treasure it and understand, my God, that's the presence of the Almighty God, the living Savior. And we feel it. And there's an assurance in that. And when you come into the house of God, that's why, folks, this is why midweek matters. It's a bridge for us to get from Sunday to Wednesday and Wednesday to Sunday to deal with all the crud that goes on Monday, Tuesday, and then we get to Wednesday. We got Thursday and Friday and Saturday to deal with. And we get to come back and get into the presence of God. Amen? He's promised to be with us. His presence provides that assurance and we're just not alone in the midst of the storm. I want you to learn how to speak to those situations. You know you can do that, right? You can speak to those situations and literally, in the name of Jesus, command them to bow down to you. When discouragement comes on you, when frustration, disappointment, you know how often we disappoint one another? It's, it's, like, it's, like we're, it's like we're professionals at it in the flesh. You know why? Because we set expectations up for people that we don't communicate to them. Happens with husbands and wives all the time. When they teach you counseling, marriage counseling, they talk about expectations. And what happens with marriage, especially young marriages, is both minds have all these expectations set up in their mind. Well, he's going to be romantic and wonderful, and, and every night he's going to come home and sweep me off his feet, and blah, blah, blah. And the woman, and, and the man's going, and she's going to have my meal ready, and she's going to have my slippers ready, blah, 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 right? I'm being, I'm, obviously I'm being colloquial, but 
The point is, is we set expectations up for one another that sometimes are unreasonable. Leaders, directors, pastors, bishops, saints, we're human beings. We make mistakes. We fail to meet expectations of one another on a routine basis. But oh, does the devil like to use it when we disappoint one another. And we failed to meet expectations and we discourage one another and then things begin to fester within us and if we let that fester, the enemy runs with it. You have, in the name of Jesus, the power to call that out and command it to bow to you. You understand that? You have that power. I'm closing tonight with this Psalm chapter 138 and 7. I don't know if Brother Hickey got, I didn't get that one in. Psalm 138 and 7, if you can get it, Brother Hickey. It says, you can follow with me, I'll give you a second. He might, he might not have, be able to do that. Psalm 138 and 7 says this. It says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies. I'm at, and thy right hand shall save me. I'm at verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. In other words, me, you made me with your hands, God. Don't forsake me. But he says, the Lord will perfect that which, which concerneth me. When he says perfect, he means to equip and make us better. We'll never be perfect, not until we're there. The Lord will perfect that which, which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. You see, when we disappoint one another, when we're discouraged, when we haven't met expectations or someone hasn't met our expectations. These are the sources oftentimes of discouragement. When those things happen, we have to remember that there's a God who's continuously perfecting in us mercy. Mercy. He gives it to you every day. He gives it to me every day. Where we struggle is giving it to one another. And discouragement and contempt and disappointment fester. You see, it's a simple formula. We just look to the Word, we look to the way God entreats His creation. Amen? Isaiah 63 and 3 says, Thou shalt be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. That means that you are so precious to him, a crown of glory. But when it says in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem, which is like a crown, it's like a, a tiara, it's a, full of jewels and it's beautiful and, and wonderful. A royal diadem, you are in the hand of thy God. Now when it says in the hand of thy God, that means if something's in his hand, he's using it for his purpose. So you're very precious, every single one, Everyone is very precious to God as he's got you in his right hand and he's using you for his purpose. 
But it's important that we're allowing him to use us for his purpose. Does that make sense? That's how precious you are to him. You can stand with me tonight. In Isaiah chapter 41, in the 10th verse, Isaiah said it so beautifully this way, speaking through the Lord, the Lord through him. The Lord says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. That's his promise to us. No matter what we're going through, no matter what things look like in front of us, in front of our eyes, he's there. Be encouraged. Take hold of the spirit and the power that's inside you and stand because at the end of the day, when we face the Lord, when we talk to him face to face, it's not gonna be about my brother made me angry, my sister didn't do what I wanted, my pastor let me down, the leader of my group didn't do what he said. It's not gonna be about any of all of that stuff. He's gonna look at you and it's gonna be, do I know you? It's gonna be about you and him. That's it. When I face the Lord, it's gonna be, do I know you? Did you do the things that I have called you to do that you were responsible to do? And I'm, I'm doubly responsible. You know, the word says that, right? Because I bear the weight of all of the people here. But I'm not gonna be able to say, well, so-and-so let me down and so-and-so did this against me. So-and-so didn't do what I thought they would do. And so, no, it's gonna be me and God and what I did with the time that I had the spirit that lives within me, and the abilities that he gave me. Amen. This altar is open tonight, eating discouragement. This is the church of the living God, and he's moving forward. Just stay in there. Hang in there. Don't quit. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This altar is open tonight. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.